Hook em up with he and Rod P. Brought to you by Bud Light on the Horn. I woke up to the morning sky first. Oh, yes, sir. And yes, ma'am, you had better. Get them up, get them going. It is Hook them Up. Here on the horn, me and Rod B. Let's get you going on a Tuesday. Congratulations to the Texas Rangers. They are into the World Series. A couple of humbled Astro fans uh, with you this morning. And, of course, a sure pretty brash and excited producer of our program as the Rangers going to their first World Series since 2011. They did it in dominant fashion in Game 7 last night at Minute Maid Park. We'll certainly hear all the uh, conversations surrounding that. Texas Longhorns have quarterback issues. Uh, as they head into a back-to-back home game stretch that uh, will now kind of define their season. And it is still sitting in a very promising place at number seven in the country, a one-loss team. But now a quarterback dilemma to figure out and uh, navigate through. We'll certainly talk plenty of Texas football coming off the win at Houston. Looking forward to -to back-to-back home games against winning teams. Winning teams, one of those teams on the rise in a big way. Talk plenty of Texas football. We got Monday night football last night. Surprise, surprise in Minneapolis. Uh, to wrap up week seven in the National Football League. Cowboys and Texans are back at it this week, coming off their bye week, so plenty to to talk about there. Our five-hour sports conversation begins right now. It's the only local morning sports conversation in the ATX and beyond, and we appreciate you being there wherever you find us. Make it as easy as possible on 101.9 FM, AM 1260, of course, traditionally. Also digitally, you can jump on board. uh, Just download that Horn app to your smartphone and listen wherever you are in the world, and certainly right here in the ATX and throughout the Lone Star State. Also, uh, can hear us on our website at hornfm.com. For this week, at least, you will not be able to watch our show on Twitch and or on our YouTube channel because we are not in our normal fourth floor horned penthouse studio we are in our home headquarters for this week while some uh, renovations and demolition what do they say pardon our construction as we uh, do some work there we'll be back in-house on camera hopefully early next week but uh, this week we'll be in the home studio here in south austin uh, and look who it is across the table as always uh, just rolling in here and ready to shut down his side of the uh, the field for the next five hours of conversation uh, from DB High down in the 713. DBU right here in the 512. Four stops at other NFL zip codes. Now 15 years on the radio here in Austin, Texas. He is a lifetime Longhorn. He is a proud papa. He is Blackstradamus himself, Rod Babers. What's up, RB? I'm doing great, brother. I appreciate, once again, the hospitality. Uh, but also uh, Welcome appreci- in. Welcome in. <laughs> appreciate the intro. Yeah, a lot to get into. And no doubt, congratulations to the Rangers, man. That was uh yeah, that was. I mean, we knew the uh, the Rangers were a, a, a good team, but um, they put it on the Astros. Uh, they made a statement. They made a statement with that Game Seven win. Uh, wasn't even entertaining. That was like the least entertaining game I think. Of oh, the series. without a doubt, they took the <laughs> drama out of Game Seven. <laughs> yeah, no white good. knuckles last night. No. no sweating. I got bored. Uh, I got bored with well, uh, the heartbreak. I mean, I you know me, I can find some moments yeah. where the Astros got back in it at four to two, and they had the bases loaded, and there was a chance to maybe make it a ball game. But uh, as we've seen at home in the last. Two months, mm. the Astros just couldn't get a big hit. Rangers it. couldn't stop hitting uh, as the game went on. So, uh, you know, might be Dusty Baker's last the man- game managing as the Astros. There's some talk in the Astro clubhouse that uh, he has already told the 
the front office that he's going to be done with the, when this season is over, however it ends, and it ended last night. Yeah. Obviously, Bruce Bochy and the Rangers will move on to the World Series, and uh, you and I will have to settle up a bet. But uh, oh, all props to the – got to wait till we get to cameras, though, before we settle up the bet. I will say that I'm sure Ty agrees. We want the people to yeah, be participating. We, we, we don't want to just pay it off and nobody get to see yeah, it. Yeah, we, we, it's, it's, a, it's a visual bet yes, payoff when yes. we got to – I got to dress up in full Ranger uniform, including the eye black and the cleats, and uh, I will do that. But yeah, we don't want to do it when we can't be on camera. Got to commit to the bit, yeah. So and I will order. I will at least order the Lucha Libre mask, and then we can show that off. And when it's time, I will do the five-hour show, all five in the Lucha Libre mask. I will mask, too. I'll be. I'll be head to toe. Commit to the bit. Ranger yeah. gear. No. <laughs> props to the Rangers. Uh, no doubt about it. Uh, Ty, Ty will not have to shave his beard. No, he will not. I was actually. I was hoping to see a a bear a bear faced it. Uh, bare face tie, and I, uh, apparently it doesn't exist on record. A bare face tie is might never happen. No. Like, it yeah. might never happen. And can you imagine if it'd be like James Harden? Would you even recognize James Harden walking down the street if he shaved his beard? Oh man, I'm sure there's some pictures out there, but yeah, I mean, exactly. He wouldn't even be himself, and I think yeah, Ty he could go anywhere way. he wanted at that point. No one ever know. Uh, maybe that's his next trick. Uh, uh, also, since we're giving props to the Rangers, let's give props to those who serve. Uh, we salute uh, those who serve because our society built on the selflessness of service. So we appreciate each and every one of you who serve in any capacity, God, country, and community. Uh, we want to appreciate, uh, show our appreciation for you guys, each and every. Every morning, uh, soldiers, first responders, the teachers, the nurses, uh, the officers of the law, all of you, uh, you guys out there, we appreciate it. We can't name each and every one of you, uh, but we really do uh, want to give that shout-out each and every morning because that's where we start. Uh, absolutely. We also start with you and appreciate you being there. You can hit us on the text line. If you're a Ranger fan and want to give us some business, that's fine, too, 512-447-3776. Astro fans can weigh in as well. We'll be your, hey. your couch cushion today, <laughs> or your, is, your counseling is. couch. Yeah. Uh, Ranger fans just excited to, to, to run this team because they, they've been something special. Let's get you caught up with the news of the morning, uh, recap how it went last night, also the surprise on Monday Night Football and the latest on the Longhorns. Let's get to the top stories. Top Gun Rentals and lot equipment bring them to you. We, you know, start with the baseball. Yeah, only after two years after losing 102 games, the Texas Rangers are headed to the World Series. They clinched their first trip to the Fall Classics with, since 2011 with an 11-4 demolition of the defending champion Astros. In Game 7 last night at Minute Maid Park, Series MVP Adolis Garcia, a series for the ages. Uh, he and Corey Seager combined last night for seven hits, six RBIs, to help the Rangers steamroll their in-state rivals into the franchise's third all-time World Series and another trip uh, to the World Series for their first-year manager, Bruce Bochy. His team faced a lot of adversity to get to this point. Everything was a fight to get here. How did you see this team come together and evolve to get to the World Series? I tell you what, leaving spring training, I had a great feeling about these guys. Such a close-knit uh, group. And even Gil, they didn't get too up, too down, and they kept getting up, kept getting up. And that's what makes a good ball club. Came in here against the odds to do this against a great ball club. It's unbelievable. After going down and losing three at home, what was the conversation in the clubhouse to come back here and steal two in Houston? Well, we, we knew what we had to do. and we, We've done it. We knew we could do it again, uh, one, two here. So there's a good feeling with this ball club. They, Like I said, they, they don't get down. They came out, and what a job they did. Do you have a message for the fans back at home? Well, they're part of this, and, and we thank them, man, because you can see the sport just growing and growing. and. So we're all going to celebrate. We're going to celebrate together. We've got work to do, but this is an unbelievable moment. On to the World Series. Texas will host either the Philadelphia Phillies or Arizona Diamondbacks in Game 1 of the World Series on Friday night. That series will be home field advantage Rangers. Uh, this, the opponent will be decided with a decisive Game 7 tonight in Philadelphia after the Diamondbacks took Game 6 yesterday, 5-1 to one in Philly. 
uh, to Texas football, where quarterback Quinn Yours is considered week-to-week, according to Texas head coach Steve Sarkeesian. Redshirt freshman suffered a right shoulder injury during the second half of this past Saturday's win over Houston. So coach Sark also confirmed yesterday the status, uh, confirmed that status, I should say, at his weekly Monday news conference. He added that Malik Murphy will be the team's starting quarterback in his absence. Arch Manning, the true freshman, will be getting plenty of reps in practice as well. We'll go through the week, and, and Arch and uh, Malik will both get a ton of reps. Uh, I, if the game was being played today, Malik would start the game. Um, and, and again, Arch will be ready to go. And like I said before, I've had a ton of confidence in Arch. You know, I think it was a couple of weeks ago, I mean, he had a fantastic practice. Um, and so I'm really encouraged by that. You know, I think Coach Milwee's done a great job with, with both those guys. Um, and so we're fortunate, you know, not, not every school – uh, is as fortunate as we are to, to have the quarterback room that we have and the connectivity that that room has. Murphy has played in four games this season, going four of eight for 47 yards. Manning, number one overall recruit in the recruiting class last season, is yet to take a snap. Uh, that may change here coming forward. Seventh-ranked Torrance prepared to host BYU in the first of back-to-back home games at DKR. Coach Sark also yesterday said that sophomore defensive end Ethan Burke and starting safety Jalen Catalan also considered week-to-week with knee injuries. Surprise, surprise. Monday Night Football to wrap up Week 7 in the NFL. The homestanding Vikings built an early lead and held on to upset the San Francisco 49ers 22-17. Kirk Cousins connected with rookie Jordan Addison on a pair of first-half touchdowns. Defensive back Cameron Bindham, uh, meanwhile, intercepted San Francisco's Brock Purdy twice in the fourth quarter to preserve the win. Vikings now 3-4, and four, Niners fall to 5-2. and two. Horn headlines brought to you by Top Gun Rentals and Lawn Equipment. Halloween here is scarier than an OU cheerleader without makeup. But nothing scarier than missing out on employee pricing on all our zero-turn mowers this month. Top Gun. TopGun.net will shoot you straight. Yeah, Bruce Bochy, man. Uh, clutch in winner-take-all scenario games. He's the man. He is the man. 6-0. and Most winner-take-all wins as a manager. Mm. He was just one of the difference makers for the Rangers. Uh, but, yeah, Bruce Bochy. 13th manager your win in a postseason game when facing elimination two more than any other manager in history. Meanwhile, Dusty Baker falls to two and six in winner-take-all games, and then he's uh, winless in game sevens. And there was some some curiosity involved. And did, did uh, you know? I I would question when the game was still in doubt. Rod, I know it obviously got off to a terrible start for Houston. The the four-run first inning, and, and Christian Javier didn't get out of it. Uh, he'd been so good for Houston in the postseason. But, uh, you know, Corey Seager, who had been kind of battling his swing a little bit, a lot of pop-ups, a lot of getting under the balls. Boy, you could tell he got locked in, uh, hit a home run last night in game uh, six, if memory serves. And uh, you could tell he was ready to go, and he crushed that pitch into the upper deck. Uh, second batter of the ball game. They added a couple of more, and Christian Javier was out of the game. But, you know, early on, the Astros somewhat stabilized it. They got it back to 4-2, to two, which is a winnable game on home. Uh, and then they uh, went to J.P. France, which I thought was very curious. J.P. France had been really good for Houston this year, um, you know, as a rookie. But he hadn't pitched. He hadn't been on the – you know, I don't know more than I'd put that guy out there in that spot. Uh, you know, Jose Arquiti was available. He pitched later in the game. Uh, Phil Maton had come in to kind of quiet the damage early. I wasn't real pleased with the, uh, the J.P. France thing because I just thought France was put into a bad spot. He hadn't pitched at all in the postseason and uh, you know, was trying to work out some kinks, and that's not a good place to do that. Yeah. Would have gone with a more – even Justin Verlander. I mean, the Rangers went back to uh, – you were uh, all hands on deck. Yeah, they went back yeah. to Jordan Montgomery to stem the tide. I mean, once you got it back into it to winnable, and it wasn't a blowout, well, J.P. France then gave up four more runs, and so two four-run innings, you're not going to overcome that very often. And, uh, you know, and 
coulda, shoulda, woulda for Dusty Baker, but in the end, uh, that was a, a big moment. There was also a moment where the uh, the Astros had a couple run- runners on, and Martin Maldonado's spot came up, and he didn't pinch it. Yiner Diaz, the better hitting catcher in that spot, and it's like, Dusty, what are you waiting for? I mean, what are we doing? What are we preserving here? This is it. And uh, so those can be questions, but in the end, your point on Bruce Bochy is spot on. He's just uh, he's a big game. He's a big game manager. Big, game, big man- game coaches. He's a big game manager. It's clear. Yeah, he's the total package. You know, I think Ranger fans have gotten to see that this year. He was. I was reading on Twitter this morning, and all these other fan bases are like, "How did we miss out on Bruce Bochy?" You didn't Yankee fans. Why didn't we hire Bruce Bochy yeah. when he was available? Because last year, this time, Rod Bruce Bochy was fishing. Fishing. Wow! Yeah, he was fishing because uh, he had retired from his stints with the Padres and the Giants and the three World Series wins there and uh, trips. And so, you know, what a perfect hire for Chris Young. And a lot of credit to Chris Young, the Rangers general manager. He built one heck of a roster through trades. He did. Um, I thought they were ahead of schedule, honestly. I kept at, We had a lot of guests on. I asked them, and they all agreed. They were ahead of schedule a little bit. Maybe one season ahead of schedule, but uh, no. They, well, they, I think once they saw they were the way they started, they decided, oh, no, no, actually, this, we are on schedule. Let's well, go. And this is where I'll give Chris Young a lot of credit, and I said it at the time. Um, uh, they, they, to me, they weren't ahead of schedule in that they had this, this, this nice fusion of, of, of veteran players like the, the El Bombies, the, you know, Adolis Garcia, what a series he had, uh, you know, 15 RBIs in the series, it's unbelievable. Uh, but you had this, this group, you know, Corey Seager's, you know, won a World Series with the Dodgers. Uh, he's been there. Marcus Simeon's a veteran player. Uh, you know, they had traded for, for Jonah Heim and for Nathaniel Lowe. Uh, so nice moves to bring, bring a veteran core. And then, you know, this, this young group, the Josh Youngs, when they got him back from his injury, that was big for them in September. Yep. Um, you know, gosh, the emergence of Evan Carter, what a revelation he's been for them, yes, 21 amazing. years old. Uh, but it was a nice mixture. But, the, you know, the big conversation was when they went out and ownership spent big money this offseason to help overhaul the starting pitching staff to go get, um, you know, Jacob DeGrom, to go get Nathan Evaldi, to get at Andrew Heaney, to make those moves. It kind of felt like, to me, the Rangers were going all in. And I know our preseason conversations were, if they can stay healthy, they're going to be right there with the Astros in my mind. And then they weren't, right? Jacob DeGrom got hurt. Nathan Evaldi had, a, had an injury he dealt with after making the All-Star game. And this is where I think their ownership group stepped up again and were willing to go acquire a Max Scherzer, uh, yeah. go acquire a Jordan Montgomery, and they wouldn't be here without the move of Montgomery because a lot of owners would have said, okay, Scherzer's the big splash move. Let's, let's, let's take our chance here. But they followed it up with uh, the reliable lefty from the St. Louis Cardinals. I mean, that's, that's the best trade made at the trade deadline, bar none. Uh, because that guy became an absolute ace for them, and he pitched again last night and gave you good innings. He's going to be a very important figure in the World Series. Uh, So, yeah, so maybe a little ahead of the time, but at the same time, very talented, very, very talented up and down the the lineup, and that's what you saw with this team. It was like when the Astros were ahead of schedule. Well, I know one Sports Illustrated guy predicted it, but everybody else, you know, pretty much thought, oh, no, they, you know, give them a couple of years, and then they'll be on the scene, and, uh, this Rangers team, I mean, there's there's no doubt. I mean, they are – They're here to stay. Yeah, it's it's substantive, right? This is not some well, – Remember, they have the number one flash, farm system in yeah. baseball, too, and they traded a couple of those pieces to, to acquire the trade deadline I mean, deals, but, yeah. man, they are stacked. And they had the most all-stars this year, right? They did. They yeah. did. <laughs> well, that was going to be the question, the pitching, and the Jordan Montgomery acquisition, um, Nathan Evaldi getting healthy. Gosh, even Max Scherzer coming back. He didn't give you a ton I here know. in the postseason, they, but uh, just his presence, I think, you know, brings so much to that team. Agreed. 
And, you know, Astro fans are left to, to figure out the future. I don't think it's, you know, all is lost. They still – remember, the Astros will get Luis Garcia and Lance McCullers back yeah, next still year. bring the core back. The core, back, yeah, the core, the core is, is back. coming back. Dusty Baker will probably be riding off into the sunset, and they'll either promote Joe Espada, his bench coach, or they'll go outside the organization to hire a new manager. And Dusty, you know, got his World Series and had another look at it this year, and they, they didn't get it done in the big spots. Obviously, the big question in Houston will be – the collapse at Minute Maid Park and just what, let, if anything you could ever figure out, led to a 7-22 and 22 run or down the stretch yeah. at home, including, you know, you know, four straight losses in the, in the ALCS at home. They couldn't win a game on their home field. They don't deserve to go to the World Series. That's why you can't feel that bad as an Astros fan because, I mean, <laughs> that, that, that stat about how bad they've been, what you said, last 22 home games, whatever it's you been. No, the last 30 now. The last 30 now. Home, 30 home sample, games. The sample size is, is, is huge now. Like, it is a big sample size. Yeah, you can't be that inconsistent, that subpar at home, um, and expect to be representing uh, your league in the World Series. Just not going to happen. Not going to happen. Not going to happen. Uh, it almost cost not you the division and making the playoffs in the first place because you yeah. stumbled at home down the stretch and were losing series. And, um, you know, that that's a big number, Rod, to have, like, 29 home games and, and win seven or eight yeah. in the final two months of a baseball season and into the postseason. That's just inexcusable. Uh, they'll try to figure out, I'm sure, knowing the Astros and how stat-based, database they are, they'll try to look into it and try to figure out if there is a common denominator. But in the end, you know, if you, if you watched the game last night, there was a lack of clutch hitting. Uh, they didn't come up with big hits in big spots. They could have gotten them back into the game. Yep. Obviously, they pitched terribly. And the Rangers hit the daylights out of the baseball uh, from the from the jump from jump start, and uh, you know that, that's how you, you roll a game. But uh, you know when they went to Arlington and they came up with all the clutch hits, and think about the numbers in Arlington, Rod. They were 15 of 35, I think, in, in runners in scoring position in those three games in Arlington. They come back home crazy. and couldn't get a big hit. Brankel Brantley had a rough night uh, at the plate. Even Jordan Alvarez, you know, had some hits, but uh, in big spots was makes, not able to produce. Kyle Tucker did not have a good no series. Kyle Tucker didn't have great series. Meanwhile, the Rangers, and this is the, the credit to the Rangers. Remember, they steamrolled their way into the to the LCS. They've been killing it. On killed the everybody. Yeah. And then they killed the Astros for two games, and then you give the Astros credit for bouncing back like a champion will and making it tough. Mm-hmm. But really, it's, the Astros were the three-run homer from Altuve in, the, in game five from really getting rolled right out of this thing sooner, right? That's true. And that's where you give the Rangers a ton of credit. They took the Astros' best punch, um, you know, weathered that. Uh, and got back to doing what they do. And remember, this has been an historically productive offense all year long. I mean, they set records for 10-run games and double-digit run games and crooked innings, and this is this is a, a elite offense yep. when they get cranking. And the Astros for, you know, bore the full brunt of that over the last two nights on their home field because the Rangers scored 20 runs in game six and seven combined. Adolis Garcia was – they couldn't get him out. For, actually, they could, not only could they not get him out, they couldn't keep him out of – Keep them in home runs. Could keep them in the ballpark. <laughs> yeah. At least keep them in the Couple yard, meet. Grand, one grand, grand <laughs> yeah. salami. He was awesome. He yeah. was awesome. No, so. they had a lot of guys step up. Um, and I, I think it's um, interesting, and I was uh, thinking about this because I saw this stat that now, of course, they won't be a repeat World Series winner because the Astros are out. Um, the last World Series uh, repeat champion in baseball was the Yankees in like the 98 to 2000, somewhere around there. Um, that's the longest streak in sports. The 98 to 2000 Yankees was the last World Series champion wow. to repeat. The current stretch without a repeat World Series champion is the longest repeat champion drought in the history of Major League Baseball, NBA, NFL, or NHL. Does yeah. that seem weird? The, well, it's uh, 
Baseball's there's more parity in baseball than there's been. I think that's fair. No, it's like, yeah, it's, I, I think the Astros fans would tell you they, they probably should have gone back to back here at one point during this run. The Washington National yeah. Series stands out as one that was uh, um, you know there for them, and obviously this one was an opportunity. But the Rangers just took it back and uh, handled business. But yeah, I mean that's that's a that's a stat I didn't know, but um, you know it's tough to go back to back in baseball. A lot of a lot of yes. teams out there, uh, and you know there, there's more parity in the sport. Than, than we think now, like in the NFL, Rod, there's there's a lot of parity top it to is. bottom. Uh, there's there's not a lot of really just awful teams. There's a bunch of middle of the road teams. Baseball, there's really good teams at the top, and then there's just really awful teams at the bottom because teams are you know you, you, if you can't compete, you kind of just cash it in, try to keep a low payroll and build your farm system and come later. Um, NFL, you you, you got to compete kind of week to week. You can't just collapse. Uh, but, and if you do, you do it for a short amount of time in the National Football League. But uh, there's parity in the baseball world in the top 10 or 15 teams, yeah. without a doubt. It's interesting. You know, I, just thought, I saw that set, and I was like, oh, that's kind of surprising. Uh, but they said the Astros, they had a chance. They, they could have been one of those teams. And honestly, the Rangers, uh, they're embarking on a bit of a run, too. It's going to be tough. So is this not the – if the Rangers are – I don't know, but they're going to compete in the World Series, which they are, if they say win the World Series. How, and I'm, I'm going to root for the Rangers, by the way. I know it's probably a blasphemy Come on. Uh, as an Astros fan, but I know I'm going to do it because I'm rooting for the state of Texas. Oh. I root for the state, man. I root for the state. I'll root for them. That's cool. I mean, I'm, I'm, I, it's good for what we do anyway. I need the Rangers to win. It's good. I need content. Yeah, we carry, the radio. I need we carry con- them on the radio station. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I need content. This, this is for, for me, our audience. Yeah. This is for me. It's well, all about you, Ty. It, I know, but I'm yeah, I'm all about the content, man. So I've been, I've been holding the torch the here at the station for the Rangers all oh, year. Oh, no, I'm not, I'm not, no, I'm not going to be a fan. But I would say I'll root for them in this situation rather than root for whoever's going to uh, else be represented in the World Series. Uh, but my point is this. I want to throw this out there. Um, since the, you know, the, the Rangers are representing IRC uh, um, in the World Series, are, is this the toughest division now, considering the way the, the division ended the Toughest the division uh, in look, baseball? I, you know, the Astros are there. It really, I mean, the Angels have fallen off and are going to be terrible, and the A's are terrible. So you got two really, really bad teams. The Mariners, you know, they're kind of middle of the road. They made a run this year, so they're there. So those top three teams are pretty darn good. Uh, American League East is still really strong. But, yeah, right now, because the Rangers and Astros are the premier teams in the American League, Mariners are a contender uh, and almost made the playoffs. I think that's a fair, at least in the American League. Yeah, I would say yeah. that that's probably true. And because the Astros are going to reload, uh, I don't think they're going away. Uh, but the Rangers are in a spot right now. But the, the Rangers question, well, let's, you know, the Rangers still got to go, still got to play the World Series. But, you know, the Astros can start making offseason plans and what they're going to do. Rangers got to go win a series. But they are going to have some pitching staff issues next year. Nathan Avaldi, remember, he was a one-year deal. So that guy's going to cash in this offseason. The Rangers, I'm sure, would love to bring him back. But they owe Jacob DeGrom a ton of money. And now, Avaldi now was a two-year deal. Sure. Was he two? Yep. Uh, I'll look. I'll maybe just clarify. I had heard. Actually, I heard that up in Dallas when I was up there for Texas OU on talk radio that they were that Yovaldi know, has a chance to cash in this off season is where I'd heard that. So uh, I'll check into it. But uh, yeah, Rangers in a good spot to go win a World Series. Phillies, I think, would be a real challenge if they have to play the Phillies. Uh, Diamondbacks, man, if they up and, and, and upset this apple cart tonight, um, I you know I don't think it would be bad for baseball. But you'd have two kind of off the radar teams in the World Series. Uh, Diamondbacks will have earned it, though, in this Game 7 tonight. The reason I say the Phillies would be a great challenge is that that's a tough home ballpark to play in. Uh, they have a, a veteran pitching staff. They were in the World Series a year ago, so they bring that experience, and Bryce Harper is Bryce Harper. I mean, he can carry a team. 
Uh, Kyle Schwarber, historically great in the postseason. Uh, they got dudes in that lineup. So that would be a really fun series. Yeah, Rangers uh, have been historically great on the road. Yeah, they have. Uh, they, they've only what they? They've, I think they got they're the undefeated on the road, active, right? Yeah, they, Did the, they lose a road game in the postseason. No, they got the active uh, winning streak uh, record. Yeah, for they won two in the race. They won winning streak for the road. Yeah, they won the uh, the two in Baltimore, and so then they eight, won. eight is their active road win streak in the postseason. It is currently the longest road win streak to start a postseason. Well, Philadelphia is probably tied the with tough. the ninety six Yankees. Philadelphia is probably the toughest home field. You'll play in in baseball, which is credit again to the Diamondbacks yesterday for up and winning that ball game. Uh, game seven will be tonight in the National League to determine the uh, Ranger opponent. We'll take your thoughts on it. Uh, a lot of uh, here's one that says, as a native Texan, I thought I might pull for the Rangers if the Astros lost after seeing how pompous Adolis Garcia is. Hope they lose. <laughs> Adolis gets hit in the face. Horrible example of baseball. Watching his alleged home run stay in the park great uh yeah, yeah then so the, he uh then he stole that base and hit two more home runs after that so. yes he did i, I get think, it yeah, I, yeah, I think I it. i'm cool with uh him watching that one well look it's good to have hatred and rivals and people you don't root for because the astros it's jose altuve for the rangers and for the astro fans it's now adolis garcia Damn. and they'll play a bunch next year rod Can so imagine <laughs> what happens to that rivalry if the rangers win a world series oh it'd be awesome it gets ratcheted to a whole nother level I mean, it would be great for the my favorite sport is baseball i know football is you know the most important and we Ooh. talk about it the most and i'm not a, i love football but growing up and my first love was baseball so it would be great for for base this oh, is great be. for baseball in the state of texas to have two really dominant teams and you know back-to-back world series from this state uh it's a good thing how so, many great rivalries in sports end up with two both of them winning championships within like five-year window yankee red sox was you know what i mean like the, it's, the most that's recent. rare right yeah. it happens though but it's 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 really rare that it that's the case i guess I mean, you know, I mean, it's – think about that in the break. But there yeah. were, there it's some good ones. I mean, Michigan Ohio State back in the day, I'm sure that was the case. And Texas, Oklahoma, actually. Yeah. Right? 2005. Wasn't the run? I got to look Texas at the dates. Texas was there. It was kind of the stretch in the state of Florida when Miami and yep. Florida State were no, all – you're right. They all had like – Cycling yep. through. Totally agree. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it, it's good for baseball. It's good it for the, in this state. And uh, the fan bases of both. Both have great ownership groups. Both have – Remember the, the the undertold story? Remember Jim Crane almost bought the Rangers. Do you remember when the Rangers were put up for auction? Wow. They were what put up for auction. That? Oh, gosh. I'd have to go look. Mark Cuban was in on the bidding, uh, the, the Mavericks owner. Jim Crane That's was in on the bidding. That's a great what could have been. Yeah. <laughs> Jim Crane wanted to buy them, and it was the Man. Nolan Ryan group, the Nolan Ryan-led group that bought the Rangers wow. at the time. And uh, that thing went up to auction. Unbelievable. Uh, Ranger fans who remember that close. I'll look it up hmm. during the break. But, yeah. And Jim Crane was in on that. And he almost bought the Rangers. When he didn't get the Rangers, he turned and bought the Astros. Uh, from from Drayton McLean, wow, and obviously has turned them into Never a heard that. Uh, great. Uh, oh man, that was that was crazy time. I was doing radio. Th- they, there was an auction for a baseball team. That is that that would have been that. That's I said. That's what was great. What could have been in yeah. sports. Yeah. <laughs> well, now we have a great rivalry. All right, there you go. Props to the Rangers. They're off to the World Series. We'll talk about it all morning and take your thoughts, Astros side of it and Rangers side of it. Uh, we'll certainly give Ty his due. His Rangers are going to the World Series starting Friday, and Congrats, not just Ty. going. They will have the home field advantage because Globe Life Field. No. He's one and two. They don't want it. They're so great on the road. <laughs> I know. <laughs> uh, but that'll start Friday night. All right, we'll come back. We'll also get to the Longhorns. There's a lot to talk about there, a lot to unpack with the Longhorns win at Houston. Uh, still a lot of work to be done on that football team, but in a good place. Now there's injuries to deal with. Quarterbacks, Rod will take us behind the burnt orange curtain. What we learned from Sark yesterday at his Monday availability. We'll let you hear from the head coach of the Texas Texas team. Also get some what the facts before the end of our first hour of our five-hour morning conversation here on Hook em Up. Aaron Hogan, Rod Baber, Austin, Texas, Sports, The Horn.
Uh, a lot of opinions on the uh, text line. Appreciate that. 512-447-3776 here on Hook'em Up. Says, I'll be honest, guys, I thought the uh, cards were stacked against the Rangers yesterday with Max going to the mound against Christian Javier. I'm glad to win it. Looking forward to the World Series. Hopefully it won't end in heartbreak. Uh, yeah, it looked like on paper the Astros had the pitching advantage, but uh, the Rangers made quick work of Christian Javier, who had been almost unhittable in World Series and postseason games. Big, big spots for the Astros. He was all too hittable last night for the Rangers, who really attacked that high fastball of his. Did a great job of making the adjustments from game one, having seen him. And that's, that's how special that Ranger offense is. If they see a pitcher, they typically mm-hmm. make adjustments to it uh, yep. the second time around. And, um, you know, started with Corey Seager in the, in the first inning. Uh, good stuff right there. It says Jordan Montgomery was a huge pickup. I think it's the single biggest trade deadline acquisition that was made. I, mean, I think that's an easy argument to defend and hard to argue against. But, man, and that, that kind of flew below the radar. Uh, when they, because Mad Max, getting Max Scherzer was a big deal. And then later in the day, or on, right ahead of the deadline, you hear, yeah. this, hear about this other trade. And you're like, oh, okay. Uh, and, and to me, that kind of indicated they were, were concerned about Nathan Evaldi at the time. Remember, he was dealing with some arm fatigue. And maybe they, we thought, man, maybe that's a little worse than we think. You never have too many arms. In the end, it was just, yeah, it was exactly right. When uh, <laughs> Evaldi got healthy um, and then, you know, got them all back right in time for, for this run, which is pretty darn cool. And uh, it says, how can you say the Rangers were kind of off the radar with six All-Stars? I'm talking about nationally, like the National. And the Astros have been on the national scene for so long now. Uh, they played the Phillies in the World Series a year ago. I just said if the Diamondbacks play the Rangers, it'll be two organizations. Rangers haven't been in the World Series since 2011. So on a, on a national big picture, you know, outside of baseball, general casual sports fan conversation, the Rangers would be an off-the-radar, you know, team. And they're going to be Phillies have been there yeah, the last got, couple of years. Yeah, got Bryce Harper, so yeah. you know, it might be the second most recognizable star in sure. the game, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, but no, I mean, gosh, the Rangers have earned it this year. They've been phenomenal from start to finish. They had a, a lull in there you know, August into September. But, but they're streaky. They're streaky as heck. And they're streak, they streaked their way right down to the World Series. But they, that was a hard-fought game, uh, series, though, against the Astros because they weren't just streaky. I'm not going to say that. They weren't just streaky. They started out hot, uh, but then the uh, Astros fought back, and then – Man, Rangers in Game 7 pretty much just proved that they were a better team yes. in this series. Just plain and simple. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, Rod, let's uh, switch some gears. This one says, 49ers my ass. <laughs> we'll talk some NFL. The Niners uh, took it on the chin last night. Yeah. Lost to the Minnesota Vikings. And I got a Cousins. question. I, yeah, I, I want to get into that a little bit because I got a question for you. Well, I got a question for the fans. And let me give, uh, before we get into the burn orange curtain, give Kirk Cousins some props. He takes a lot of heat. His primetime quarterback performances, he was really good last night. Kirk Cousins was outstanding against a very good 49ers defense. And he, you know, without, without uh, his best receiver, Justin Jefferson, um, Jordan Addison stepped up, K.J. Osborne. They had a bunch of guys stepping up there, and they get the win there. Got the big lead early, or the lead, and then held on. Uh, with a couple of big defensive plays. So we'll talk more NFL, wrap up week seven, and start looking forward here into Wednesday. But uh, time to look back. Longhorns dealing with a big stretch, crucial stretch of games coming, two home games against uh, teams that are, gosh, both winning teams, Rod, and uh, seemingly on the rise with BYU and K-State. But you're going to do it with backup quarterbacks. Let's go behind the burn orange curtain. Let's do it. And they were all asking themselves the same question. What is behind that curtain? All right, Sark met with the media yesterday, and it was that was a, I mean it was a lot of meat 
Uh, that was a lot of information uh, in this uh, media availability. So we'll try to get to as much of the sound as we can. Uh, but Steve Sarkeesian spoke to the media. Great questions, too, by the media. Um, talked about a number of different issues. We'll, we'll get to the sound about the injuries. Uh, we'll get to the sound talking about BYU, the upcoming opponent. Um, also addressing some of the issues from the, uh, the Houston game. But quarterback is the biggest topic of conversation among Longhorn fans, and we understand with the Quinn Ewers injury. Um, we'll get to the sound of the other things earlier, but let, let's talk about quarterback and the impact of that injury of Quinn Ewers and now Malik Murphy thrust into the role of starting quarterback. Um, Steve Sarkeesian was asked what Malik Murphy brings skill set-wise, uh, what does he bring as a player to the game plan and to the offense? Well, he's a, definitely Malik's a natural passer. When, when, you know, when he throws the ball, it throws a very beautiful ball. Beautiful ball. Um, and I think there's not a throw that, that he can't make. Um, you know, I think he's got really good leadership qualities. Uh, I think the guys, you know, like playing with Malik, and, and that's a positive as a quarterback. You know, uh, inevitably, you know, as a quarterback, you're only as good as the guys around you. And, and those guys, when guys play good around you, that makes your job a lot easier. And I think that that's extremely helpful. And I think the third piece is his understanding of what we're doing. He's got a great feel for the game. Uh, he's got a good feel for passing the ball. He can make all the throws. But I think he understands what we do and why we do. Um, and that, that's, a, that's another added bonus. Uh, and I like that that cut uh, from from Sark. Actually, I like a lot of what Sark said about Malik. But he does have some traits he brings to the table. Sark has said over and over again that Malik has the strongest arm in that quarterback room. And I wonder, you know, if because one of the easier uh, skill sets, so one of the easier uh, traits to translate from a lower level to a higher level with a quarterback is actually the deep ball. Um, some quarterbacks just have kind of a natural touch. With the deep ball, as we know, that was not Quinn's strength. Quinn's strength actually is more of his accuracy uh, in the intermediate game, uh, in the short game, his, his touch uh, and, and off-platform throws. With Sark's offense, though, we know Sark jonesing for that deep ball a lot of times, and he has toned it down because it's not a strength of Quinn, so now they use it more strategically. But Sark, we know he wants to launch bombs all day long. I do wonder with Malik if you'll see him go back to, you know, instead of Quinn throwing them bombs, Malik throwing some of them bombs because what you know you're going to get is a lot of loaded boxes to stop Jonathan Brooks in the run game and force that young quarterback to beat you, which will give you favorable matchups on the outside, will give you single high safety looks. And the one thing that Malik maybe do is just out throw the defense. Yeah, you wonder. Uh, <laughs> it's a couple and, of times. Well, and, you know, again, Sark confirmed, and I, we've got the Dana Holgerson sound from him talking about their retooling of their defense ahead of the Houston game. We can play that later on the show. Uh, but, you know, they keep I, – I, I, that's what I wonder. What, how will BYU, how will K-State, how will these teams attack Texas? Will they just trust that, you know, Malik Murphy's a really good backup and they'll kind of keep trying to keep everything in front of them like so many of these teams have with the, uh, th the three safety and the deep – Deep, you know, take away the big plays, or will, as you say, test a young quarterback, get up, uh, try to take Jonathan Brooks and now the uh, the now healthy C.J. Baxter away and see what the young quarterback can do. Uh, he, you know, whatever his 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 intangibles are and his tangibles and intangibles, Rod, he's young. You know, you can't coach experience. The only way exactly. to, 
You can't you can't just make somebody experienced in playing big time college football. You have to experience it, and that's that's um, you know you wonder how BYU, how K State, and other teams are going to challenge Malik Murphy until Quinn can get back on the field. Yeah, uh, here's Sark, and and not only Malik now because Malik is your starter. We still got to get a backup ready. Contingency plans. That means Arch Manning is also thrust into a different role here. Sark was asked about getting Malik and Arch ready. Uh, here's Steve Sarkeesian. Yeah, no, we'll, we'll, we'll go through the week, and, and Arch and uh, Malik will both get a ton of reps. Uh, I, if the game was being played today, Malik would start the game. Um, and, and, again, Arch will be ready to go. And like I said before, I've had a ton of confidence in Arch. You know, I think it was a couple weeks ago, I mean, he had a fantastic practice. Um, and so I'm really encouraged by that. You know, I think Coach Milwee's done a great job with, with both those guys. Um, and so we're fortunate, you know, and not, not every school – uh, is as fortunate as we are to, to have the quarterback room that we have and the connectivity that that room has. Um, I think a lot can be said for Quinn and his leadership in that room. I think a lot can be said for, for Charles Wright and his experience and knowledge base of our scheme and the dialogue that those guys have in that room. I think they're always trying to lift each other up and, and help one another. So uh, hopefully we can, we can reap the benefits of that uh, this week. Yeah, uh, that's a great point, too. I mean, I don't know how much Quinn's going to be around. I'm assuming he's going to be around a lot. I mean, he turns basically now into a kind of a de facto assisting coach uh, with some of those guys. He knows those guys' skill sets really well, too, because he's in that quarterback room. Um, he can help them with some kind of cheats, some of the cliff notes to the offense, that type of thing. They already discussed that. Uh, but that's another great role that he can play now as a leader on the team because he's still that leader, and he's coming back, um, but still needs to make sure that those young quarterbacks – are comfortable. I mean, it's only what eight pass attempts for Malik Murphy. That's it that's between it. him and Arch in their career. That's what's going. That's how much inexperience now is going to be uh, now commanding the offense. Hey Ty, uh, can I skip one? Because I, I we we did our eyes on Texas multicast last night. And we used this cut. Ty, can you get number eighteen ready? Because this goes right in line with what you're saying, Rod. Uh, cut eighteen from Sark yesterday. You know, because Sark was asked, you know, how do you keep your quarterbacks fresh? Right when Quinn Ewers is healthy. You know, how do you – you always have to have your, your next guy prepared. Here's Sark yep. talking about the ongoing conversation 24, you know, seven days a week into games with the backups to keep them involved. Here's Sark talking about how you, 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 keep, you have a quarterback who hasn't played much who could be ready to play when he jumps into the ball game. No, that, that's, a, that's a weekly dialogue. Um, so with us, you know, when we, when we put together a game plan, there's constant dialogue throughout the week with the quarterbacks and how we're reading it and what, how, how we want to do it. Um, and then we try, to, we try to devise the reps in practice so that guys are getting reps of, of specific plays and things. And then on Friday night, every Friday night before every game, myself, Coach Mill, we, we sit with all the quarterbacks and, and we walk through the call sheet and we'll ask them their favorite plays in this situation, that situation. And so we kind of have a... a a running log of the plays that they mark that they like, right? And so, you know, seven weeks into the season, I've, I've got seven straight weeks of information from Malik of the plays that he feels comfortable with. And so now as we start to devise a plan, um, I don't always necessarily have to wait till Friday to ask him what he wants because the majority of the things that are in this plan, I already know he feels really comfortable with. That's a great cut, yeah. Yeah, and I just give props to Sark trying to make the offense as quarterback friendly as possible. 
Well, he's quarterback, quarterback, right? He understands. He's to, been a backup yeah. quarterback at times, and I think that that's an, an assist having a quarterback as a head coach mm-hmm. who can say, look, let's, we've got to keep these guys involved, right? Totally agree. they got to stay invested. Yeah. Yeah. So I ask him, yeah, that's a great I, – I, that's, that's a really great idea by Sark, though. I didn't, I didn't know that. It's going to make this transition a whole lot easier, too. Uh, speaking of the transition, uh, Sark was asked about the challenges for the new quarterbacks. Here's Steve Sarkeesian. Well, I, I think he's – Obviously, there's a level of disappointment. Um, you know, nobody likes to get injured. Um, and, you know, I give him a lot of credit because he tried to play. You know, that last drive, he was, he was not healthy. He tried to play through it. Um, clearly, he was limited. And to his credit, he knew, I don't think I can do it, you know. And then, you know, and then when, our, when our trainers and our medical staff tell me the same thing, like, he tried. It just He knew what he was going to be able to give to the team wasn't going to be good enough. Um, but I do think I agree with you in that he does have a little bit of the blueprint and he knows what it takes to keep himself mentally sharp, uh, to be dialed into the game plan, um, to support the other guys and how he can, they can lean into him, uh, and offering that support and being a great teammate for, for all, for all of the guys. And so, uh, in the end, I know he's going to work tirelessly to try to get himself back. Um, like I said, these injuries, you know, some guys are back sooner than others. You, you just don't know. And so we'll see how his body responds. I think it's helpful, especially this time around. He's in the best shape of his life. Uh, and naturally, when you're in good shape, we respond better. We, we don't stay sick as long. We don't stay hurt as long. And he's in, uh, he's in great shape. So hopefully we can get him back, like I said, sooner rather than later. Uh, Sark was very cryptic about when Quinn was hurt. Everybody's trying to figure out when Quinn got hurt. He was asked what specific play it happened on. Here is Sark. That's your guy's job. If I'm here to <laughs> tell a guy when he got hurt, then that wouldn't be fair, right? I don't think he get made anything worse. You know, I think football, you get, you get banged up, and a lot of guys play through a lot of things. Um, and I think that's one of the, the beauties of our sport is that you find out about yourself. You have to dig deep in how much can I overcome? What's my level of perseverance? Um, and I think he made some throws in there that he felt like, okay, I can, I can do this, and then made a throw that really challenged him and said, uh, I'm not going to be equipped enough to play the game the way I want to play throughout the ball game. So, um, you know, I, I don't think that he injured himself any more than, than he could have. Um, um, but in the end, you know, when he got hurt, you know, if he stayed in the game, he wasn't hurt enough to come out. When he came out, that was, that was when it was time to come out. Wow. That's a lot of, um, yeah, mental gymnastics. I have no idea. But he didn't answer the question at all. And he, he did that intentionally. Um, and I don't know why he's being cryptic. My thought would be he doesn't want to throw a player under the bus and saying if a player missed a block and this is the reason that he got hurt, or if Quinn made a bad decision by not sliding on the play and that's what got him hurt and he wants to leave because, trust me, scouts in the NFL combine, they're going to want to know. They'll ask him. Um, and he wants to leave that to Quinn. Like, hey, Quinn, you can tell them whatever you want to tell them. I won't, you know what I mean, I won't dictate what your story will be to them because that will maybe be a different story between you and your representatives. <laughs> well, on the same drive, he took the hard hit. A couple of plays earlier sacked. on the first and ten, he got yeah. sacked. And, and uh, that's what people, some people think it's that. But the fact that Sark wants to be cryptic about it, I don't, yeah. I'm trying to figure what's the motive behind it other than protecting my players. And I don't know if there's HIPAA rules or whatever. Who knows? Yeah, uh, I'm assuming, I'm yeah. Sure, but there's a reason behind it because he's usually yeah. – he's, he's pretty honest and well, forthcoming. And that time he decided, no, nah, I'm not going to give up that information. Yeah. 
Yeah, and then and, and I think Quinn will be made available at some point. He can talk about it. But, uh, you know, Nelson Caesar beat Jatavion Sanders on a blitz and then kind of rolled up on top of his shoulder. Uh, and that's where you see the right shoulder get kind of crunched into the mm-hmm. ground on that sack previously on that drive. Uh, then he was still in there to, to take the hard hit on the left shoulder uh, from the linebacker when he was trying to run for the first down. All right, we'll get more behind the burn orange curtain throughout the course of the morning, talking Texas football, hearing from Sark, preparing for back, backup quarterbacks. And then uh, next two opponents are combined 10-4 and four, uh, coming in for home games, BYU and K-State. Uh, we'll also uh, talk more about the Rangers' trip to the World Series and how they crushed the Astros last night. Uh, more facts of the day coming your way as well. Monday Night Football goes to the home team. Vikings stepping up uh, in a big spot in primetime, beating the Minnesota Vikings to wrap up Week 7. All things we're kicking around on a busy Tuesday on Hook 'em Up with Ian Rodby. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, Hook 'em Up, 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. Time for What the Facts on a Tuesday morning. It's a fact the Texas Rangers are going to their first World Series since 2011 after clobbering the Astros last night 11 to 4. Historically great series for El Bombe. Uh, it is Adoles Garcia, the league, the series MVP, and why not? All he did was drive in 15 runs over the course of the seven games. Uh, had a big game last night. He and Corey Seager were a demolition duo last night for the Rangers, but he is your MVP. Uh, Garcia set the major league record for most RBIs in a playoff series with 15, Rod. 15 wow. in the series, and it's a great lineup top to bottom, but he is uh, really the centerpiece along with Corey Seager when he gets cranking. And uh, they were they were a big problem for the Astros. I think that is a fact. Yeah, uh, a lot of those uh, ugly facts out there. Uh, how about this one? Uh, the only Monday night game this season where both teams scored more than 17 points, Steelers-Browns. Ooh, Think really? about that. Yeah. And Pittsburgh had two defensive uh, touchdowns, right? Uh, and the Chiefs-Jets is the only Sunday night football game where both teams scored uh, 20-plus points, and that's because the Jets were, get, were gifted a safety, those uh, scoring issues. Prime-time unders. That's a good fact. Prime yeah. time unders yes, have sir. been golden this year for yes, gamblers. Sir. They like usually are. Knows, they knows. usually are. Ty, he knows, man. It's interesting. Listen to the man. Hey, to how the about man. this on a fact that's really curious? We talk a lot about Texas and their quarterbacks and sitting at number seven in the country, but uh, this was a weird story that developed yesterday, and it's now a fact that Chris Ross, the redshirt freshman defensive end uh, out yeah. of Galita Park, North Shore, is no longer Sorry listed that. on the official Texas roster. That's wild. Our friends at Inside Texas reported that uh, it's been confirmed now through a source in the athletic department, that Chris Ross is no longer on the team. Uh, nor has he officially entered the NCAA transfer portal. It doesn't mean he won't. Remember, Chris Ross played early, yep. showed some flash off the edge as a kind of a, uh, a bigger body that can really rush the passer, and then against Wyoming hurt his elbow and had been injured. And Sark said at the time that they were hoped to have him back in about a month. Uh, he and Cole Hudson got hurt in the same game, and you know the, the timelines were similar. But now the consensus four-star prospect in the 22 recruiting class out of North Shore uh, is no longer on the roster, and there's no explanation. That's kind of a weird story, Rod. To a keep very your eyes good on. Story. Yeah, uh, that's a talented player. Strange. Yeah, I want. I hope everything's all right. Yeah, you know, that's first what you of hope all. Immediately. Uh, uh, but uh, if he's just you know disgruntled or something like that, then obviously that's, that's what the transfer portal is for. Uh, but I hope everything's okay with the young man. Uh, okay, can I give you a factoid about the Michigan Wolverines and how dominant their defense has been? Michigan number two in the country right now with Jim Harbaugh. Man, um, how about this one? The Michi- Michigan starting defense has scored more touchdowns than it has allowed through eight games. Wow. 
Yeah, they've been dominant. They have. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's going to be defined by their big stretch because you know JJ McCarthy, their quarterback, is kind of in the Heisman hunt because of his performance and. Uh, obviously, this new sign-stealing scandal uh, is kind of with Colton Stallions is is looming around. But, uh, boy, on the field, they've had no peer. Uh, they'll see Penn State and Ohio State in coming weeks, and uh, they'll get those big showdown games. Uh, so, uh, Michigan's uh, starting defense has scored four touchdowns. They've allowed three through eight games. Michigan's defense also hasn't faced a first and goal or any snap inside the 10-yard line this year. Oh. I repeat, Michigan's defense – Hasn't faced a first and goal or any snap inside the 10-yard line this season. J.J. McCarthy has four dropbacks in the fourth quarter. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Because basically they blow teams out. So that's, yeah, I don't know. Michigan right now is on on a kind of dominant run. They look like the best team. They will be tested. Especially with the Georgia injury to to Brock Bowers. That's their best player. I mean, you can't lose your best player offensively and not take a hit. Uh, they're the one-two teams right now in the country, but uh, Michigan looks really good. Mm-hmm. Also, say this and what the facts, though. Uh, this is according to Pete Thamel of ESPN. Mm-hmm. Michigan staffer Connor Stallions bought tickets for more than 30 games at 11 Big Ten schools over the past three years. Also, video evidence of sideline taping is expected to be sent to the NCAA this week, caught by stadium surveillance. How about this? Once They, they, they can always track you, Rod. Once they figured out he bought mm-hmm. tickets through StubHub, then they could find where his seat was, and then they they go to video surveillance. Oh man! And track him back and show him videotaping the doing southern sidelines, doing shady stuff mm-hmm. against the rules stuff. So keep an eye on that if you're a Michigan fan too. Connor, Connor Stallion, shady name. Sounds like an adult entertainment star, but very shady name. And that's but, over the last three years too. That's not like a, a, a small sample size. Hey, don't worry. Jim Harbaugh's gonna win a national title and get the hell out of Dodge. <laughs> he's about Do the old Pete Carroll thing. He's about to pull it. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. Oh, Town might need another coach. Hey, Don't coming back, we'll reset those headlines, including the Ranger performance last night here from Bruce Bochy, first-year manager, but certainly not first year to the World Series. We'll have that for you coming up. Also more on that Monday night football game last night. And, of course, the Longhorns. It's a Tuesday conversation with you on Hook'em Up with Ian Rodvig.